Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and here we are on the 18th of the first Adar, just a few weeks to Purim, three and a half weeks to Purim, and the 27th of February coming close to the end of the second month of the secular year. And what are you feeling? I guess is the question I'm going to start um, this show with. 34519 is our SMS line. What are you feeling? I'd imagine that there's a lot of words that are coming to the mind of the listeners of what they're feeling. And the word serenity is not one of them. Maybe not even in the top 10 or 100. It's challenging to feel serene at the time we're living in now. And yet, what we hope to bring, this is what we do on Tuesdays, we try to bring on something relevant, bring a Jewish perspective on living in today's day and age, and I believe that we need to talk about serenity. We need to talk about, in Hebrew, in the Holy Tongue, we call it menucha. Menucha tanefesh, a serenity of the spirit, a serenity of the soul. We need to talk about it because we're really struggling with it. Many of us were really struggling to find that serenity. And I'll argue that many of us are not even sure we should be looking for it. What do you mean? It's a time of stress. It's a time of anxiety. It's a time of overwhelmingness. It's a time of hecticness. Uh, what other adjectives can we use? It's a time of just being maxed out and done with, and emotional overload, etc., etc. Is that a way to live? It's understandable. It's totally understandable why we are, many of us are feeling that way. But today I want to bring about the moral imperative to calm down and to be serene and to remember in the words of our sages, Yesh Balabais Labirazu, there's a master of this mansion. This world is not random. It's not happenstance. There's someone in control. And it's a moral imperative. Um, and the reason I say it's moral is because one cannot live a good, healthy, decent, honorable life if they're constantly stressed out. Inevitably, wrong decisions will be made, relationships will be frayed, and we will not be living up to our highest moral values. Because every one of us knows what's moral and what's not, right? There's some areas that are great, but on the most part, most of us know what it means to live like an honorable, decent human being. We all know that it's good to be honest. It's good to have integrity. It's good to keep your word. It's good to be forgiving. It's good to be generous. It's good not to take revenge. Um, to treat people different than us with dignity and grace, etc. We all know that. But all too often, we fail. And the reason we fail is because we're not living to our highest moral value. And one of the causes for, the li- for not living up to the highest moral value, as explained in Tanya, is when we're down and out. Right? 
Tanya is a, one of the most famous books of Jewish mysticism. And in chapter 26 onwards, he really explores this idea that you, just like two people who are in a boxing ring, uh, the one who's feeling motivated, inspired, um, hopeful, etc., joy, will be a will be victorious versus the one who's feeling despondent and down. You can't even show up to the game of life if you're constantly down. And whether it's depression, whether it's sadness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's anything other than faith, serenity, and joy, it, it depletes us. It depletes us. And therefore, we're running on fumes, right? The famous expression when a person's saying, I just can't cope. I'm just running on fumes. The problem is when you're running on fumes, what chance is there that you will live up to your highest value? What chance is there that you will say things in a nice way, right? We all know it. We all know that when we're stressed out, we've had a very long day, um, we're underslept, underfed, hangry, angry, agitated, that we're, we're much more easily triggered and we will say things to, and things will come out of our mouth that had we held it together, we would never have said Hopefully we work on that, right? That's why people work on their anger management, people work on their emotional regulation, because all too often it's actually crazy to see how low people fall when they're having an emotional you know, wobble. There ha that's another topic for another time. There has to be a red line that we never cross no matter how dumb we are. But we all know the fact is you will not be at the same emotional capacity. You will not interact and engage with the world and with other people at the same level when you are stressed out versus when you're in a place of serenity. And that's why it's a moral imperative, back to where we started, it's a moral imperative to talk about bringing serenity into our lives. Because right now, too many of us are stressed out of our minds, which is affecting every area of our life. It's affecting our home life, our relationships, our, if we have kids, our children, if we have spouses, our spouses, our, it's our siblings, it's affecting our work life, it's affecting our spiritual life. You cannot show up to life always stressed out and think that life will actually be a good experience. It's a, it's a vicious cycle that leads nowhere. And that's why there's a great quote from one of the great Hasidic masters. His name was Rabbi Aaron of Karlin. And he used to say the following. He would say that although... Um, sadness there's no sin against sadness he says i open the torah it doesn't say don't be sad but sadness will lead a person further and worse more down than any other sin in other words although sadness is not a sin it can destroy you more than any other sin and there's a lot of truth to that statement because once a person is down they just go further down and they trip even more and they more and they more. And then you feel sorry for yourself. And then you go into your addictive habits, right? We all have um, self-soothing habits, which are not healthy, whether it's binge watching, whether it's binge eating, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, intoxicants, whatever it is that we do that we, when we're in a bad space. But we know that when we're in a bad space, it's not exactly a road that leads us to positivity. It doesn't bring out the best of us. Obviously, sometimes in moments in life, there are sadness. I'm not, you know, saying there's never a time. But when we're living in perpetual stress, it's, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable. And one of the things I often find about our community here in South Africa, etc., 
not everybody, but many of us, there's perpetual anxiety. And everyone's convinced, whoever's in that perpetual anxiety cycle is convinced it's justified. What do you mean? Load shedding is real. Puddles are real. IJC is real. ANC is real. EFF is real. Um, Op-eds are real. Canceling Alal is real. It's all real. Ah, freak out. And it's like, okay, can we stop being so addicted to the drama? Can we stop being so addicted to that level of intensity? It's unsustainable. It's breaking us. No human being can live on this level of madness and still live a functional life. It's impossible. So at some stage, a person has to say, I'm done. I don't have to know about every single negative thing. I will not, have to, I will not become addicted to these narratives that make me feel like the world's coming to an end. I will not live in perpetual stress. It's unsustainable. That's really my argument today. My argument today is that the way many of us are currently living is unsustainable. Not for anyone else's sake, for our own sake. It's not bettering our marriages. It's not making us better parents. It's not making us better employees or employers. It's not making us better friends. It's not making us better citizens of our, our country and of our world. It's doing nobody a favor living like this. But rather living from a place of faith, living from a place of menuchat nefesh is really what I believe we really need to challenge ourselves because this is, again, we need to live lives that lead to growth. We cannot live lives that lead to despair. We cannot live lives that lead to, to just darkness. And whatever we can do to bring the spirit of people around us up, I believe is the moral calling of our time. I believe it's the calling of every spiritual leader, every parent, every teacher, Every educator, every friend, it's our job to uplift each other, not to bring each other down, because there's enough down. There's enough chaos. There's enough stress. There's enough worry. Way too much. It's our job for one another to remind ourselves that we're not caterpillars, we're butterflies. And on that, this is Butterfly by A.B. Rottenberg and Shalom Lemmer on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avton and this is the Fabringen Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. Thank you for joining us. And we're talking about being a butterfly and that it's the moral imperative of all of us to remind ourselves and those around us right now how high we could fly. In other words, there's times in our life that we have to bring a seriousness to people. Uh, there's a time that we have to bring people down to earth, but then there's a time that we have to uplift people. And I believe that the time is now, especially where we're at. Uh, and my mind's going back to the October 7th Simchas Torah, when we found out about this, we just started finding out about what was going on in Israel. And every shul in the world had to make us the same question, had to face the same question. Are they going to dance that night for Simchas Torah? Right? In Israel, it was Simchas Torah, and the diaspora was the day before Simchas Torah, Shemini Atzeret. Is there going to be dancing that night? And I believe every shul in the world made the same call. We're going to keep on dancing. Obviously, um, hearts broken in half, but we're gonna we're gonna dance, 
And the next day we're going to celebrate some Torah. I'm going to try to, our best to still be uplifted because we understood something, all of us. We all understood the same truth, and that is that the best way to fight against evil is by not letting evil bring you down. It's not a joy um, in ignorance of the pain. It's a joy because of the pain, as a reaction to the pain, as a reaction and the knowledge that more than anything we need to, to win. And the greatest victory is not the military victory, although that's very important. The greatest victory is the victory of the spirit. It's, are we going to be stronger than before? And that's my question, really. You know, we're many months after October 7th. Um, things are hectic on many, many levels. But where are we? Where's our headspace? Are we in a better space than we were six months ago? Or are we totally depleted? Are our marriages better than they were months ago? Or have they taken more strain? Are, is our relationship with our children better than it was? Or is it worse? Where are we is really the question. Is our connection to Hashem stronger? Because the greatest victory is the victory within. Everyone in history at some stage learned that truth, that the greatest victory is not the victory on the battlefield, it's the victory in our own head and in our own heart. And the victory is, will I live the highest value of living possible? Because that's a challenge for us right now. Will the terrorists, will the anti-Semites, will the useful idiots, will all the people who are going against the Jewish people right now, will they tear us down? Or are they going to, or is our response to that more Yiddishkeit, more Judaism, more Jewish marriages, more healthier homes, less stressed out homes, more spiritual homes? Where, what's our reaction? Because once we realize that the war is not just being fought in the Middle East or on university campuses or in the capitals of governments, once we realize that it's a war that's happening in each and every one of our hearts, we realize that we're all at war. We're a war against our thoughts, some thoughts that creep in, or a war against the spear. War are the war against stress, or the war against a feeling that I can't handle this. We have to wage war against those feelings and thoughts because we're all on the battlefield. And it's our mandate, it's our moral mandate to win, to fight against despair to fight against hopelessness, to fight against anger, and rather to fight for growth, for positivity, for simcha, for happy homes, for calm people. Obviously, with hearts that are broken, I'm not saying in any way to avoid the pain. The pain is real, but it has to be contained. It has to be boundaried because otherwise it destroys us. And then they won. And this is a message that was repeated often, um, especially after World War II, after the Holocaust, when 
many Holocaust uh, survivors were really struggling. How do I how do I move forward? How do I build a family? Uh, there's a famous communication of the Lubavitcher Rebbe with the famous Elie Wiesel. And um, Elie Wiesel at some stage in his life didn't want to get married. He felt like, what's the point of bringing a child into this world? Then he got married. Did, they, did he want to have a child? And the Rebbe encourages him over and over, get married, bring a child. Eventually he did have a child, Elisha Wiesel. And why? Because otherwise Hitler wins. If you're not going to figure out a way to find joy, if you're not going to figure out a way to build, Hitler won. And I'll say the same thing. Obviously, there's no comparison between October 7th and, and the Holocaust, but there's lessons to be learned. And I would say the same thing about October 7th, that if we allow this to break us, if we allow this to lead us to despair, if we allow this to lead us to the breakdown of our, of our families, if we lead, let this lead to the breakdown of our mental and emotional and spiritual health, then Hamas won. We're another victim of theirs. And they've taken way too much already. 1,200 dead, hundreds in captivity, many, many soldiers um, dead in the battlefield since. I'm not going to give Hamas one more person, and that's me. Never. They don't deserve it, do they? Because if I realize that I'm on the battlefield, if I realize that I have no choice but to win, then I, I, I develop the mentality of a soldier in war. And what's that mentality? The positive mentality. Ambition. Driven. Single-minded. I will be victorious. I will be victorious against the demons in my own head. I'll be victorious against those depleting emotions that are literally breaking me down. Because we have no other choice. There is no other choice other than Am Yisrael coming out stronger than this. The only option is that October 7th makes Jewish people stronger. Not only more united, which is obviously something we all pray for, um, and ironically, I'm saying this on the day of Election Day in Israel when things are pretty chaotic um, in terms of that department. But unity is one thing. But resilient, determined, we have to come out of this determined. There has to be more simcha and better families and less variables, less fights amongst families and more learning and growth we cannot become lesser versions of ourselves because of what we went through, because otherwise they win. And that's why I believe, back to the original idea I was saying, I believe it's a moral imperative that we all calm down. Calm down doesn't mean that we all become placid and we sit there now, you know, binge watching on Netflix or, or, or you know, watching the games. Um, calm down as in bring ourselves back to earth and realize how much stress can I handle? How much pain can I handle before it breaks me? And beyond that, I can't go. I can't go because my, my first most responsible thing, not just for myself, but for the entire nation and for the entire world, for the victory of goodness over evil, my first mandate is get myself right. That is the greatest moral victory. The greatest moral victory is taking your marriage that might be in shambles and fix it. To, to, to engage with your child who's maybe not coping and help them get the skills 
to cope with life, to bring more Yiddishkeit at home, to have better Friday night meals and better Shabbos and more kosher food, regardless of expense, and a, and a, a Purim that's going to be legendary in a few weeks' time, and a Pesach that's going to be legendary, and less fetching and more joy, right? Instead of fetching in two months' time about the prices of kosher Pesach food, let's embrace it. How privileged we are that for one week a year, we have to eat some crazy food. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. That expression that many people are saying now, it's hard to be Jewish. I hear it, but it's a terrible expression. It has truth to it, but it's a terrible expression. How amazing it is to be a Jew. How privileged we are to be part of such a nation. How proud we have to be of who we are and how we've come together. That's the feeling that needs to come across now. It's our job to uplift one another, to tell each other, you are a butterfly. You're amazing. And you could be more amazing if you find the strength within yourself. Each one of us is Hashem's gift to the world. We have to overcome our feelings of inferiority, our feelings of sadness, our feelings of despair. We have to motivate each other and say, you can do this. We have to hold each other stronger to make sure that none of us fall off the wagon. We have to hold each other tight with love and compassion and motivation. Because that's our mandate, each one of us, whatever leadership position we have. And I'm not talking about official leadership. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're, in the, if you're, you're a human being and you engage with other people, you can be a leader. Because by your worldview and the way you approach the world, you will either bring a contagion of positivity or a contagion of negativity. So each one of us as leaders in our own rights has to ask himself, are people being uplifted when they listen to me? Are people being uplifted when they spend time with me? Or are people going into despair? And I believe that every spiritual leader, every newspaper article, every radio show, every person who's forwarding a WhatsApp for crying out loud has to ask themselves, are people being uplifted because of me or depleted? Because that's what Hashem's asking of each of every one of us to uplift, to remind each other that we are literally at the crack of dawn. And just because it's dark before the crack of dawn does not mean that dawn isn't coming. On the contrary, our sages tell us that the darkest part of the night is just before dawn. This is the crack of dawn by Mordechai Ben David. On 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. Attack of Dawn is coming. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and I believe, as we've been saying throughout the show, that our jobs in whatever platform we have to engage with each other is to uplift. There's different times in a person's life, as King Solomon wrote, there's a time and place for everything under the heaven. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time for peace. There's a time for war. There's a time to bring people down and you know ground it. And there's a time to uplift and let soar. 
He didn't say that, but uh, I'm just paraphrasing. And I believe now is the time to uplift. There's been way too much bad news, way too much reaction to the bad news, way too much despair. And therefore, our job is to uplift. And one of the ways of uplifting is reminding each other about faith. That's why I want to spend the last few minutes of our show today of her bringing together. Let's talk about faith. Right? When we use the word faith, what does it imply? It means you believe in God. So what do you believe? What do you believe about God? That God created the world X amount of years ago? Okay. And then what's he been, what's he been doing since? Chilling? A big part of monotheism, the idea of God, is not that only what happened in the past at the moment of creation, but every moment since then. Hashkacha Pratis, which is often translated as divine providence, but it's correctly translated as individual, individual attention, individual supervision. The Hashem is individually alive, uh, involved in every single area of people's lives, right? That nothing happens in this world outside God because everything is godliness. Yes, we have our free choice, but everything is from God. We choose how to react to things, etc. but all the circumstances of our life, God's involved in. And that God designed the world as it is at this moment. We say it every morning in our prayers in Shacharit, that God renews in his goodness every single day, every moment of every day, all of creation. Constantly, this world is being recreated. That's not some spiritual idea. That's practical, even from a physics perspective. This world is bubbling into existence every single split second. So this moment, as I'm speaking to you now, the world's being created again. And now, and now. And this world is being created by God exactly the world the way it is. Hashem could change anything, and yet he's allowing the world to be the way it is at this very moment. So when a person understands that and works on understanding, it's not like a one-minute aha. It's a lifetime journey of working on one's faith. That's why the word faith in Hebrew literally means exercise. Emunah in modern Hebrew means emun, to go train. You go train in a gym. You have to exercise your faith. It's something that constantly needs work on because many of us maybe had moments of faith, but if we forget about it, if we forget about God, and for a moment we think that this world is random, then yes, chaos allowed, it ensues in every one of our hearts. If we worked on our faith, we would be more serene because we would realize that although it's not pretty, at least in our perception, God's running this world and we're still in his hands. And that's why really my message to each and every one of us is to work on our faith, to not drop our faith. You know, in this week's Torah portion, we talk about the story of the golden calf. What happened was the Jewish people, for a moment, they didn't have a Jewish leader. They couldn't find our leader, Moshe, Moses. So they panic. They lost their faith in one minute. They couldn't see Moshe. He, he said it'll be down in 40 days, and they miscalculated. And they thought that the 40th day was up, and that's it. We're, we're, we're throwing a party, and we're, we're, we're making a golden cap. We're not waiting an extra minute. Moshe's dead. 
when you lose your faith, you could collapse everything. I mean, just think about it. This was the Jewish people. These were the Israelites who witnessed the 10 plagues just a few weeks before. They witnessed the splitting of the sea just a few weeks before. They witnessed God showing up at Sinai 40 days before. And yet, literally just over three months after the Exodus and six weeks after the giving of the Torah at Sinai, what do these Jewish people, the Israelites do? They build a golden calf. They lose their faith. That's how easy it is to lose the faith. It's so easy. And that's why it's a moral imperative to remind each other. To remind each other to be strong. The famous Israeli song, he who has faith does not fear. Because that's the truth. If you have faith, you have no fear. Right? The famous, most famous chapter of Tehillim is probably chapter 23 of Psalms. Although I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I do not fear because you are with me. That's been the refrain of people of faith since the beginning of time, since Abraham discovered God. We've always realized that once a person believes, they can live more serenity. That's not the reason to believe. The reason to believe is because we, that's the purpose of life, to have a relationship with God. But it's one of the great benefits of faith. And the benefit of faith is that we live with serenity, that we live and we do not fall and break every single time. And that's my final message really today before we wrap up the show. Is let's be, let's be strong. Let's bring ourselves and those around us out of a mindset of despair. Let's bring ourselves into a place of upliftment. Let's hold each other. Let's motivate each other. Let's inspire each other. Let's be, become motivators of faith and, and, and upliftment and serenity. Let's bring down the temperature of anxiety in our homes. Our kids and our families are living under way too much stress. Our homes need to become places of joy. Our homes need to become places of peace. It should be, in my opinion, take it or leave it, not allowed to talk about immigration, ANC, or any other rubbish on a Friday night table. There's time for it. You want to talk about it? Talk about it. But when we're sitting as a family and engaging, it should be prohibited to bring about anything that leads to anxiety. Our Friday night meals need to be places of hope. Our conversations with each other have to be to uplift. There's enough anxiety going around. More than enough. Genukshin, as they say in the classics. Enough. It's time to uplift. And I can think of no better song to finish off our show, a song of upliftment, than this beautiful song called The Man from Vilna on 101.9 Chai FM. <laughs>